today, uh, as I said, is, is a very cool and special day to me because one of my guys, one of my, 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 my pals, my buds, um, and one of our former students who just graduated and moved to Troy last week uh, is going to be sharing God's Word this morning. And so we're super excited that. Matt, you can come on out if you want. Um, so if, you, um, if this is your first time here, we, we thank you so much for, for attending, for coming to worship with us, for choosing to be here. If you're worshiping with us online and checking things out, uh, we hope that God would just move in your heart and move in your life. And uh, if you're in the building, we have a gift for you if you haven't already gotten that. Um, there's some awesome folks at the back uh, with Next over their heads, and that's where you can go and grab that gift and just a way for us to say thank you for being here. Um, and share a little bit of love with you. If you've got a phone with you, I would love for you to check in for a couple of reasons. One, uh, that help, helps us as staff know who you are and where you are. Uh, but it also gives you an outline to follow along with um, as Matt preaches this morning. And uh, man, I'm excited for you. He's got the notes. He's ready to go. He's looking sharp. Look at this guy, man. Making me look crazy and old. <laughs> Unfortunate, you know. Suck it in. Would have dressed up if I would have known, you know, but... I do want to just take another moment and pray for Matt, um, if you guys would join me in that. Would you get checked in? Oh, I didn't tell you how to do that. It's on the screen. If you've done it, I'm sorry. Text the word CHECK to 233-5080. It'll send you a link, and then you can click on that. If you've never done it before, there's a button that says ADD TO CLASS, and it'll give you some instructions there. But um, I'm really excited about what God's going to do through you today. And uh, so, again, I want to pray for him. And then it's all yours, all right? Throw the, throw the podium, kick the chair, whatever you need to do, right? All right, let's pray together. God, we love you again and just praise you and thank you for this moment. Thank you for Matt, his faithfulness, his obedience to you. God, pray that you use him now. God, fill him with your spirit and give him guidance to speak your words and give us ears to hear, God. We might be obedient and we might respond in faith to you. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, good morning, y'all. Um, my name is Matthew Chastain. I go to Troy University. I just, oh yeah. Um, I just finished my first week there. Uh, I moved down last Saturday and I just couldn't help from coming back here, you know. <laughs> it's only been three days of classes and I'm already home. But it's okay. Um, I'm excited to be here. This is what God wants from me and I'm really excited to follow the will of God. So. In my past week at Troy, I actually took my oath of enlistment for the Air Force. Um, I'm in Air Force ROTC at Troy University, and hopefully at the end of the four years, I'll be commissioning as an officer in the Air Force. So it would be really easy for me to come up here and talk about laws and rules because I just signed a, many different papers and contracts talking about all the different things that I have to follow and all the new rules that apply to me and rules that don't apply to me anymore. So it would be really appropriate for me and relevant to me to come up here and talk about that, but that's not what I'm going to do because yes, through God's laws for us, his love is shown, but I think it's a lot more appropriate and God, what God wants from me is to speak of his love today. And when I knew that I was going to be preaching, I knew I wanted it to be about God's love, and I really was struggling to find what text I wanted to use, which sounds crazy because, you know, God's love is riddled throughout the Bible, but not everything I was going to, I just, it didn't feel right. 
but then I kept being led to Isaiah 43. So that is what I will be speaking on today, is Isaiah 43. But there's 42 chapters before that, so I want to catch everyone up so we're all on the same page. Um, so Isaiah was chosen by God to be a messenger to the people of Israel, which is also known as a prophet. And Isaiah had a vision of the Lord and the angels. And when he saw the true glory of God, he fell to his knees and cried out to God and said, God, I'm unworthy to be in the presence of you because I am such a sinner. And so God sent out or sent an angel down with a fiery coal and placed it on Isaiah's lips. And he told him that he is his sin is cleansed and he is, his sin is atoned for. So after this moment is when he was commissioned to tell the people of Israel about God's judgment. And so Isaiah does this. He spends the rest of his life telling pe the people of Israel about God's judgment. But what this did was more of hardened people's hearts. And instead of turning and repenting towards God they continued in their evil ways and went further from God. And because of this, God's judgment was brought and shown through their being exiled because Babylon took over Jerusalem and exiled the Israelites. And some of us may know the verse, Jeremiah 29, 11, which is, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. This is where that verse comes from, when these people were exiled. Um, just a little background on that. So then, that's Isaiah 1 through 39, is the theme of God's judgment. But then, about 100 to 150 years later is when Isaiah 40 picks up. Which is like, that's confusing though, because I don't know about you, but I don't know anyone who's lived to be like 150 years old. So shouldn't Isaiah be dead by now? How is he present in this? Um, so through my research, I found, and the conclusion I've come to is that Isaiah, he was a prophet. He knew what was coming, and God provided the words for him, and he wrote a lot of texts. I mean, we have Isaiah. So Isaiah 1 through 39 was written by him, but so was Isaiah 40 through 66 but those texts were passed down through Isaiah's disciples, and then those disciples dispersed those words to the people at the time. So like I said, we see the message of judgment through the chapters 1 through 39, but then once we flip the page and get to Isaiah 40, we start seeing a message of hope. And those may seem a little contradictory or opposites, judgment and hope, but honestly, I think they're complementary and they're tied so close together because judge, God's judgment and the way that he gets us through it and the way that we can put our faith in him, that gives us the hope. So I think it's very important to understand that they are tied together. So I'm going to begin just by reading Isaiah 43, 1 through 7. But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. You are precious in my eyes, and honored, and I love you. I give men in return for you, 
people in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar, and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created from my glory, whom I formed and made. So what I want to do is break this apart verse by verse, or even smaller than that. So starting with verse 1. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give... I flipped to the wrong page. Hold up. (laughs) Okay. But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel. So we know that Jacob is the son of Isaac, who is the son of Abraham. But Jacob's reborn name when he showed his faithfulness to God is Israel, which means let God prevail. So God changed Jacob's name to Israel when he showed his faithfulness. So, but it's also, we know Israel is for the Jewish people, the people, yeah, the Jewish people. But when we read Israel now, it applies to all of God's children. So if you are a believer and follower and have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are, Israel applies to you. So what I want like to do with this verse is, but now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Matthew, he who formed you, O reborn, made new, Matthew. Put your own name into it. Um, that's powerful. Like that right there, that one verse, I already am filled with hope. And this also is really cool because looking back into this, what I really like to do when I don't really know the meaning and online things and aren't helping me, I look to the original language. And so this is Hebrew. And so created in Hebrew is bara, which the way that verb is, it only is describing God in this. This verb is only used with God. So thus now says the Lord, he who created you, Barah, and then, so we know that we have a creator, and then the next one, he who formed you, or Israel, formed, that Hebrew word is yatsar, which means like pressing clay together, or like forming. Um, I know in the elementary school, I did a lot of pottery, and like we would get the, like the, the slab of clay, and we would make pinch pots, probably because I was like a first grader, and that's the most we could do. And we would like stick our thumb in it, and then like pinch all around. And that thing was so ugly. It was so ugly. And I, I'm pretty sure my mom has some of, maybe all, I don't know. I've seen some of them recently um, that I made, but they're ugly. They're so ugly. I, I don't know how she wasn't scared or why she kept them, because they, they're bad. But she kept them because it had my character in it, and it showed my individuality. And it was exactly how I wanted it at that time. Maybe now I would change it, but that it shows that I put what I wanted into this. And so reading this, but now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, so creator, and he who formed you, O Israel, he formed us and molded us just how he wanted us. And he was intentional, and he wants that intimate intimacy with us. 
And just like I said that I put my character into that pinch pot, God puts his character into us, and he made us exactly how he wants us. So that leads me to my first point, that God created us and has an intimate relationship with us. We were set up for intimacy. We originally, God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve, but we know that sin separates us. So, yes, we are created for intimacy, but we have been separated through our sin. Luckily, like I'll be talking about today, there's hope to be intimate with God again. So moving on to verse 2. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Now when I read this, I was thinking, I wonder how many times the Bible says fear not. And so because I don't have the time, which realistically I probably do have the time if I really felt like it, but I don't have the patience, really, um, to go sit through the Bible and read every single time it says fear not or do not be afraid or I am with you. So I just looked it up. And what I got was, it says it 365 times, but then I did more research and that's not true. So that's a myth. But you would believe it because God does say do not be afraid or fear not a lot in the Bible. For example, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. But a reminder with that verse also is... God gave us a spirit, not a fear. All those things come from being with God. That doesn't mean just going out, don't have a relationship with God, that you won't have fear. It's through God that we do not have fear, that we have power and love and self-control. It's through God. And so fear not, and then for I have redeemed you, I don't know why, but every time I read redeemed in the Bible, I don't imagine it like, redeem your ticket. And so I felt a little silly when I looked up, because I know what redeemed means, but I looked up the definition, and then it was talking about, like, paying the price, or not paying the price, but there's something that you get out of a prize, or something you have. And so what I imagine this is we have a ticket, and it says where we're going. It's redeem. When you die and it's, you go through judgment, our tickets all say, not to get all like fire and brimstone, all our tickets say hell. All of us fall short. None of us can enter the kingdom of God without Jesus. But Jesus took that ticket and took it from us and took it to himself, and he redeemed it for all of us. I love Glenn. Glenn, I'm here. Glenn is like, ugh. I, I'm a theater kid. I did theater all four years of high school, and the audience really builds up the actors. And so hearing Glenn, I'm like, oh yeah. I feel it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I thought that was really powerful because I've never thought of it that way that we had a ticket to redeem. And Jesus took that ticket for us. And now we can enter the kingdom of heaven because he took that ticket for us to hell. And so through this, John 10, 28 through 30 says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. Um, 
and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. I read this because it says, the second part of this verse is, I have called you by name, you are mine. It's really powerful when God, the creator of the universe, the creator of everything, says that you are his, and that he calls you by name. And I warned my mom about this, but it's not just like, me saying like, hey, you, it's me saying, hey, Christy Chastain right there. I'm going to be in trouble because I just called her by her name. But that's so much more powerful than just being like, hey, one of you here. I said her name. She knows I'm talking about her. And it's like God went through here. And Ms. Lottie, Glenn, went through all of these people. He called you by name, specific to you, just like that pot. He made it specific. That's really special. Take comfort in that. God knows your name, and God rejoices in you. And he takes pride. You are his. Um, I kind of imagine this verse, the no one, hold on, no, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. We're, once we're in God's hand, we're stuck there. Whether you like it or not, sometimes it depends on the day, to be honest. Um, I'm being honest here but you know when you have like tape on your hand or that little plastic piece and it's stuck to your hand with static and you're just like get off get and it's just never getting off now God's not trying to get you off but that it just doesn't leave you're stuck um but God takes pride in having that tape or that stupid little piece of plastic uh, stuck to his hand so that brings me to my second point, that we are special to God. And so now moving on to verse 3. When I pass through, oh, this is, this is one of my favorite, this is my, actually my favorite part of this chapter and this text. Um, and you'll see why in a second. So, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. I read that. That gives me hope. Just reading that. Because at first, it's like, okay, when I go through troubling times, when I go through hardships, God is with me. And I will not drown. I will not be burned up. And that's true. And that is a meaning of this verse. But when I dove deeper into it, there's so much deeper meaning and it brings so much more hope than just that. So the water, as it says, when you pass through waters, and then the fire, when you walk through the fire, represent God's wrath and judgment. And now don't think I'm just jumping here, doing some crazy statement. Um, by water, he destroyed Noah's generation. And by fire, he will cleanse the earth at the end of the age. As Second Peter 3, 1 through 7, and then 10 through 12 says, I'll read it. So, this is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets, Isaiah, and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through the apostles, knowing this, first of all, that the scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. 
For they deliberately overlooked this fact that the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God, and that by means of this world that then existed was deluged with the water and perished. But by the same word the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Destruction of the ungodly. And then jumping to verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and when the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly, fathers, heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all of these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? You kind of get an image of destruction here, but that's not true. God does not destroy and then recreate. God renews. So just like, I can actually, that's a point right there. The water and the fires do not destroy. They renew, and we have been redeemed. So I'll explain that really quick. So you know when there's like, you have metals, and since I'm, in chemistry right now in the first day of school we talked about mixtures talk about a homogeneous mixture it's I'm already forgetting the word it's consistent throughout and you're trying to separate these different metals from each other what you do is you heat them up because they have different boiling and evaporation points you know those are kind of the same thing but you do that to separate one because one will boil off and one will stay and so that's what he's doing. We all know that treasures, everything that we do on this earth, like our houses, all that, none of that's going to heaven with us. The only thing that's going to heaven with us is our spirit. And so if you think this, like the fire, the fire is cleansing all of that, getting rid of all of that, except for it can't destroy the spirit. And God is cleansing our sin through that fire, just like he cleansed the sin through the waters with Noah's generation. And now this does say, when you pass through waters, not to be that person, but it, it doesn't say if, it says when. Um, so there is that other meaning, like I said earlier. Um, God is with us through hard times and hardships. But it also says that we'll pass through them. When you pass through the waters, when you walk through the fire, God's going to get you through it. He's not going to let you just sit there forever. He's going to get you through it. But it also does say, does not say that you won't feel the heat. I know there's been times in my life where I didn't see how God could get me through it because I was feeling that heat. When you walk up to a campfire, you're feeling the heat. You might not be being burned, but you can definitely feel the heat there. But even in this case with God, if you were to step into that fire, you will still feel that heat of the fire. But if you walk out, you won't be burned. And it says when you walk out. So, that is powerful to me too because God will get you through it. It may not be the way that you think he'll get you through it, but you will get through it. And one of the songs that I, I went to a retreat a couple weeks ago. Um, it was one of those retreats for freshmen going into college who want to get connected to a church. And they sang this song that I've never heard before called Take My Heart with Altar Fire. 
I really love the lyrics to that, you and just the song. All of you should listen to it. But part of it says, Fire of God, consume my heart. Burn it down to only faith. To all that's left of me is only you. That's a bold prayer. But that's what's happening here. God is burning us down. We're, we're intimate with God, and we're made like God, but we are separated from him by sin. But the design for us to be with God is still there, but it takes faith. I need to pause real quick. Let me get water. I don't know if I should mute or not so you all don't hear me. Give it a second to try. Okay, there we go. So, my next point, except not one of those points, just on here. First Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. So, as weird as this sounds, the fiery ordeal is specific and designed by God to purify us from our sins or anyone in the Bible. Um, like I said, the Jews were exiled by Babylon. That was a representation of God's judgment. Moses and the first generation of Israelites never got to see the promised land because they kept straying away from God, and that was their punishment and their judgment. And now I, throughout the entire Old Testament, we can see that. But Jesus came down. Jesus paid that price. So now we don't have to pay that judgment price because Jesus has already paid it. And we know this. Isaiah is writing about the future times. And so we know, we know what happens. And we know that we don't have to pay that price because Jesus paid it for us. So then I'm going to continue reading. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give, e I give Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in exchange for you. These are all cities or countries. I don't know the right word. But very powerful places, very important people, worldly important people. But God would sacrifice those cities and those people in there for his people. Which sounds really weird, and I was like, huh, that's weird. God would take the lives of others for God's, his children. But that's totally true. We see it several times, but for example, when the Israelites are fleeing from Egypt with Moses, they cross the Red Sea, they get across, and then the Pharaoh's army was in the Red Sea, closes. Those lives were taken for the people of Israel. But like I said, we are the people of Israel. God is willing to do so many things for us. Cush and Seba are, those people there are said to be like strong and like big and all this and beautiful. God will sacrifice that for us. Except, spoiler right here, everybody in here, like I said with that pot, my mom probably thinks that that pot, even though it was really ugly, was pretty beautiful. But God is beautiful himself, and we are made in the image of God. Everyone in here is individually beautiful, 
there's no one in here that's not beautiful. There's no one out there that's not beautiful. That's just a little side tangent right there. So just know, in the eyes of the Lord, you are beautiful, and nothing can ever change that either. Just like God says, because you are precious in my eyes and honored and I love you, I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. I give men in return for you. There's one man he definitely gave in return for us. Um, Not to quote a very quoted verse, but John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God gave his one and only Son for us. That's what it says right here. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. And then he says, Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east, and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, Give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for glory, whom I formed and made. That's just restating everything that's been said. Again, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made, he created you. He was intentional with you. He wants an intimate relationship with you. But the issue that we have, like I've been saying, we were made in intimacy with God. God wanted that intimate relationship. But then through sin, we were broken and separated from God because sin separates us from God. But God still wants that relationship. But we still sin, and the wages of sin is death. And so we're continuing to be separated But then Jesus takes that consequence. He redeems us. He takes that ticket. And so there's nothing that we can do to separate us from God's love because Jesus paid that price. He took the consequences, which was separation from God and judgment from God. He took that punishment. And now we can, through Jesus Christ, through putting our faith in Jesus Christ, through believing that He is Lord and Savior and understanding that we are all sinners and that we need that Lord and Savior and accepting that we can have a relationship with God again. And God wants that relationship so bad. And once we're there, you're stuck. It's like I glued my hands together. You're stuck. And that is so comforting because I know that nothing can ever take me away from God and God's love. And God loves me and God loves everyone in here so much. And I got in kind of in trouble with myself a little bit when I was reading Isaiah 43 to start because I was like, it's the Old Testament, all that. It's not going to have the gospel in it. The entire Bible has the gospel in it, spoiler. I felt a little silly when I dived into it a little more, and I was like, okay, there's the gospel here. Um, So... Some of you may be thinking, though, I know God loves me. I've heard that all my life. I believe it. But I want to ask those people who are thinking that, why do you think that God put you in a place where you need to hear it? All of you are in here. All of you are in here for a reason. God put you here. God put me up here. God gave me these words to deliver to you guys. So if you were thinking that, think about, it may not come to you immediately, but think about why is God trying to tell me that he loves me and that nothing can ever bring me away from God's love? 
And some of us have felt like God doesn't love us or felt like we escaped God's love or we are unworthy of God's love. And to be honest, we are unworthy of God's love, but God doesn't care. God loves us so much and God loves everyone, no matter what you've done. I know through my life and through the Bible, the Bible really, there's so many times where God's love is shown and proven, but then personal testimonies. I have them, I could tell you so many things that God showed his love through. And I'm sure a lot of people in here can do that too. So just know that there's nothing. I'm going to come over here now and sit here. But just to... Um, there's nothing that can ever separate, separate you from God's love. And God wants that intimate relationship for you, with you. And so my question is for you is how have you responded to God's love in the past? Have you pushed yourself away from it? Are you scared of it? I know before I was saved, I was really scared of it because I did felt like, feel like the, God, you don't, you don't want to love me. I, I'm so imperfect. I'm so far from what you want me to be. You can't love me. Why would you love me? And God just kept showing. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been good. That song really speaks to me because I can look in my life even before I was saved and see how God was moving through my life and protecting me through my life and showing his faithfulness before I even showed any faithfulness to him. And now that I am saved, I can look back on it. So if you are feeling the God has not shown his faithfulness, God has not shown his love, I promise you he has. You just have to look. And so then my question for you after is, how will you respond to God's love now? Like I was saying, some of us may already know that God loves us. How often do we thank God for his love? Now, I'm not trying to condemn anyone. I just know that I don't thank God enough for his love and his faithfulness to me. Because like I said, I, I still sometimes face the, God, why would you love me? You shouldn't love me. But God still does, and nothing will change that. So will you thank God for his love? Will you continue to look for how God is being faithful to you? And some of us, maybe we need to take that first step with God. Like I was saying, Jesus paid that price for us so we can have that intimate relationship with God again. But you just need to accept that you need that Savior, that you are sinful, and that you need that Savior to be able to connect with God again and accept that Jesus is that savior and Jesus paid that price for you. Because both Jesus and God and the whole Trinity, they all want you to do that. They all want the intimate relationship for you. That's what we were designed to have. I kind of get sad sometimes because I know, like we were talking about before with the joy um, series, um, we cannot have full joy without God. We'll go through our entire lives if we're without God, searching for something to fill that hole. I still like to say we have a God-sized hole in our heart and only God can fill it. But we love to throw things in it, trying to fill it. So many different things, everyone knows theirs, but it never works. We are never fulfilled. God is the only thing that can fill that hole, fulfill or fill the hole in our hearts. 
So just know that God loves you and God wants that intimate relationship with you. And God has provided a way to have that intimate relationship with you. So my last question for you right now is how will you let God's love move you right now? How will you leave here today or in the next five minutes, how will you let God's love move you? And how will you remember God's love and faithfulness to you through your life?